Hey now, and welcome to the Elevate Yourself podcast. I'm Rob, and I am thrilled to get to be the host of this show. I feel super lucky. I work for this awesome company called Elevation Health. And in each episode of this show, I get to have a conversation with folks from all different walks of life about how they elevate themselves. It's my hope that these conversations will make you think, force you to change your best, and as a result, help you get a little bit closer to becoming the best version of you. All right, well, welcome to a very special Elevate Yourself episode. Uh, today on the show, I'm excited to welcome Sarah Lynn Baker. She is Elevation's Director of Training and Education and has worked in the fitness industry for 19 years. Sarah earned her Bachelor's of Science in Exercise Science from Oregon State University and her Master's of Science from High Point University. Her passions include nutrition, pre and postnatal fitness, healthy living for families, and Sarah's expertise is in education for both fitness professionals and the general population. She really does it all. She teaches group exercise, trains private clients, speaks to corporations on a whole host of health topics, and is an exam committee member for the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Sarah lives in Colorado, and she enjoys reading, cooking, and coaching her kids' soccer team. I'm just so thrilled to finally get to have Sarah on the show. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for doing this. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. So I, I mentioned where you work and what you do, but maybe just a, a little bit, tell folks kind of about your journey and some stops along the way and how you ended up where you are today. Yeah. Okay. Well, I actually kind of discovered corporate wellness uh, in grad school. High Point is in North Carolina. And I was there for grad school, just working at Gold's Gym. And um, we just kind of started discovering how it started was offering discounted gym memberships to companies, to law firms or, or to whatever it was. And then we just started digging deeper into, well, could we go to the law firms and do some lunch and learns and health education topics. And then I actually did my master's project on the corporate cost of obesity and realizing how much more um, unhealthy employees cost an employer and started just becoming really interested in it um, from there. So I actually found Elevation. Um, they used to be called Mountain West. I actually Googled it. I Googled corporate wellness in Colorado as I wanted to come back to Colorado after grad school since that's where I'm from and found Mountain West and actually met um, one of the partners um, on my spring break trip um, out in Colorado. And I just knew they didn't even have any job openings, but I knew I wanted to be here and do corporate wellness. And then um, actually a position came open a week after I graduated grad school. And so I started as a fitness specialist at one of our large accounts in Broomfield, Colorado. And then I moved into a part-time role of training and education and managed that fitness center. And then eventually after my second maternity leave, I was able to move into this role full-time to support all the employees in training and education. So. I love all of that so much. I mean, I love the, I love the master's topic, but I like you can, you put it out there in the universe, right? Don't you think there's this part of that and you, you went out and got it and it, it all came back to you. Yeah, it is funny how it kind of happened. So, yeah. Um, you, I, I mentioned all of the things that you do um, from being a mom to the different people that you serve. Um, this is a, a selfish question that I like to ask people because I'm on a mission to get more organized myself. But Sarah Baker, how do you stay organized? How, how do you do it? 
I'm like, I love all the organization. I'm so type A. Um, first thing I do specifically is I exercise first in the morning. I just get it done. I do 5 a.m. classes, 6 a.m. classes. I just get it done. And that just helps me stay organized for the rest of the day. But I am old school. I have a paper calendar. I have sticky notes. I have notebooks with all my to-do lists. So um, because I'm managing my kids' schedule, I'm managing my schedule. So though I've had to embrace a little bit of the digital calendar, um, I still, I'm still old school with the, with the calendars. So that's, well, I, I, I'm a little old school myself. I'm a little type A. I don't know if I'm quite as type A as you, but I like to call myself type A minus, but it, I'm oh, borderline like full, full, full on. I like A minus. I'm probably an A plus. I've come down from A plus plus. So I'm, I'm dropping a little bit. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned that workout first thing in the morning. You know I'm bullish on my workout first thing in the morning. Um, I, I like what you said about the good the good juices going. Um, does that help you kind of think through what's going to happen that day and all of that? Is that part it, it of it? It totally does. It just kind of sets me up. It wakes me up. And it's funny. I used to never do like technical lifting stuff first thing in the morning. Like my brain didn't operate that. And now, I mean, they joke with me at the gym because I roll out of bed like 20 minutes before the class starts, grab my coffee, change, and I get there. So I'm not awake for hours before that, but it does. It, I don't want to just come in and sit down right away or get up right away and do the kids. Like I need an hour to kind of do my own thing. Like you said, it's work out the kinks physically, mentally, and just, I kind of think through my day and just kind of prep myself. And then, like I said, I get my workout done so that I don't have to try to squeeze it in later in the day for the most part. That's what it is. It's the later in the day. It's so easy as the day goes on. I find that like people want your time or something comes up that you didn't think about. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, didn't get the workout in. And yeah. But with a caveat, I will say, because people ask me from a science, when's the best part to when's the best time to work out, right? Should it be on an empty stomach or after you've had breakfast? Still the best time to work out is when you're going to do it. So if you yes. are not a morning person, I don't think that that's what you need to do. I just am. And I like to do that to get it done. But if you love lunch workouts, then do lunch workouts. So I do, I do want to say that that's just when I, I feel like I perform really well um, and get it done. So work out whenever you're going to work out. So that's such a great point. I know. And I, I've said this too before, like, Ideally, um, the best time it, it could, in theory, be in the middle of the afternoon when your grip strength peaks and your body temperature peaks. And, you know, we can go into the science of all of it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the best time for the workout is when you're going to do the workout. Totally. Yeah. All right. So we are here today to talk VO2 max. That's what we're going to talk about. We're, um, I'm leaning on you, my exercise scientist. Um, I guess broadly, just broadly speaking, what is VO2 max? Um, yeah, what's the basic definition? So it, it's basically, it's the max amount of oxygen that your body can utilize during intense and maximal exercise. So um, it's basically, and the higher this is, the more energy a person can produce. So it's a really good indicator, more of your like cardio respiratory fitness. Um, and so it's a lot of ways, it's how like efficient your body is. It's a really good indicator of how well your body's working. That's kind of the most basic is how well can you uptake that oxygen and use it for your workout? It's a, it's a really great, perfect, <laughs> succinct definition. Thank you. Um, it, so, and so I guess this word gets thrown around a lot. I know in a lot of circles, maybe people will see it on social media. They're like, oh, my VO2. So um, why does it matter? I guess, broadly speaking, why would it matter to somebody to worry about their VO2 max? It really comes down to efficiency, which is what we'll talk about a little bit longevity too. So 
because the more effective that your body can use the oxygen, the more you can generate a, you know, ATP and energy, which is going to relate to higher performance. So that, that's why it matters. Yes. From an athlete standpoint, but now what's interesting is they're coming out and saying, wow, it doesn't just matter for performance. It could be mattering for longevity, um, you know, for certain people. So it does, it's just really making your body more efficient in general. That's a, a great point. And I know it's so interesting. I, I've heard some things about longevity and we think about it. And, and really, I, I think that there, aside from, you know, a catastrophic event, um, the higher your VO2 max is, I mean, the, the longer you are going to live. I mean, that really is the indicator at the end of it, that the VO2 max is going to continue to drop, right? Yeah, because they're looking at cardiorespiratory fitness as a big indicator for longevity. And they didn't, I don't think before, like some of the studies I saw are about 2018, which in research land is super new, right? That's only a couple of years old, um, but they're finding, and, and again, right? It's all causation. It's, you have to look at the correlation there because with someone with a higher VO2 max is likely more active and exercises more, which helps your blood pressure lower and helps, um, you know, control your triglycerides and your insulin levels. So there's someone with higher VO2 max probably has a healthier lifestyle. So you have to take that with a grain of salt because you're not gonna have a super overweight smoker with a high VO2 max. So there's a lot of factors in there, but they are understanding how important that is. But again, it, it comes back to efficiency and effectiveness, you know, or efficiency of your body. And if your body's more efficient as you age, then that's gonna help you age better. I also think about it, you know, if your VO2 max is higher, you probably don't get as winded, you know, walking upstairs or going on a run. And so it makes exercise a little bit more enjoyable. If it's enjoyable, you're going to do it more often, which again, so to me, there's so many factors than just saying, okay, high VO2 max means you live longer. There's just so many things in between that as well. But it is interesting in the study that I read, they did a 46 year follow-up and that's crazy. I mean, you don't usually find <laughs> studies that have a 46 year follow-up. And so after they controlled for everything, and they found it to be like almost five years. So, I mean, a pretty significant, once you get older, you know, like 90 to 95 is a pretty big difference when you're looking at ages. So, um, but the 46 year follow-up is pretty, is a, is a big deal that they found that um, relationship. It's a huge deal. That has to be, is that an NHANES study? It has to be an NHANES study. Uh, it was Journal of American College of Cardiology. I can send it to you, but. Okay, yeah, So yeah. Yeah, send it to me, and we, we will uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, how does a person measure a VO two max, right? So if somebody says, "I want to know what my VO two max is," Sarah, how do how do I how would I go about doing that? So you can do a couple things to get an actual maximum VO two max. You do need to be in an exercise physiology lab, unless I do know some gyms, higher performance gyms, might offer it. Um, it does need to be in a safe environment because you are taking that person to max. And I actually. I haven't had one measured in a long time, actually, since I first moved. I remember doing it in college in the performance lab, and then I did it when I moved back to Colorado. Um, so you can do it on a bike or a treadmill. Um, and so you're going to be wearing an oxygen mask, or not oxygen mask, but, yep. you know, to measure your oxygen. Um, and they are, they, the study, the people running the study or running the test are going to keep increasing the intensity until you basically have to call it. I remember doing this in college. You have to call it saying, I can't go anymore. And so they're going to think at that point you have reached your max. So they're, they're pointing data, you know, they're taking your data the whole time you're doing this as you increase the intensity. So might get faster, um, faster treadmill, um, you know, on a bike, it could be 
you're going to have resistance on a bike because there's a certain point you can't actually go any faster on a bike or you're going to lose um, some of that. So, um, so that's how to measure your actual. So you do need to go to a lab and have that done. And so then they are going to take you to mass. It is to max. It is challenging. Um, I, I think the numbers are cool. Um, another way to do it is you can do submax tests. And so that's basically going to be extrapolated. And so this would be more common at like a commercial gym. So same idea, you're going to keep in, um, you know, keep plotting on a graph, your intensity and your heart rate, they're measuring your heart rate for this. Um, and then they're basically going to say, okay, your sub VO2 max is here, which means we think you max out here and they have to extrapolate it and figure out, okay, this is where we think you're going to max. So that's a way, two different ways to actually do that, to figure it out. So, but a sub VO2 max and there's stuff online you can find even right now, like if you wanted to do kind of a home one, you know, you could get on your bike and your treadmill and you have to measure your heart rate and then whatever speed or intensity you're going. And then same idea, you could plug it into a calculator and kind of get a guess. So. Nice. Nice. But we're That's experiencing uh, right now, uh, athletes with some of the highest VO2 max, um, cross country skiers are one of the very top. So here we are in the Olympics looking at these, you know, winter athletes. So. They do. That has consistently been shown that the yeah the cross country skiers have the highest VO two max. Yeah. Um, and then the the other one that I know of, I know some the again, uh, not great in terms of accuracy in terms of measuring, but would we'll, we'll, would give you a ballpark. Like my Garmin will tell me it oh. has a it has a score on there that it will give you. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. Um, so that, that, that's out there for folks too, but you're right. Um, and I guess the, the test you described, it's, it would be similar to like a, almost like not the same level, but like a stress test. If anybody's ever done that before in some ways, just to give people yes. an idea of kind of what, what's going yeah. on. Generally yeah. stress tests are usually done more like cardiac rehab and they're not going to yeah. push you to your max, hopefully, no. because you could be coming from like, no. A heart attack or something like that, right. but same right. idea. You're trying yeah. to see how yeah. efficient your heart, but the idea behind stress tests, same idea after you've had um, a medical event, like a, a heart attack or something, they actually do want to see how well, especially if you have surgery, like how well is the blood being pumped and how well are you uptaking? And so they're trying to get an idea of kind of your recovery. So yeah, so th it is similar. Um, if a person wanted to improve their VO2 max, right? So let's say somebody goes and does the test or they go, they go to their gym or they plug it in online and they go, okay, this is about what my score is. Um, I want to be better than that, or this is pretty good. Or, you know, how, how, how could I improve my VO2 max? Yeah. Um, so you can do high, um, interval, high intensity interval training. Okay. So getting really uncomfortable and then recovering and doing that again. And the idea behind that is your your interval in the uncomfortable land is going to increase, right? You're going to be able to stay there longer um, is the idea. So that's going to help you. Um, I think changing modes of exercise is helpful. Um, running is very different than swimming because you have gravity, right? You have, you know, you're pounding, you have muscle mass versus swimming, especially, you know, also your upright versus, you know, horizontal. Um, but I think switching modes um, can really help too. Um, one of my favorite too, we used to call it, it's basically like threshold training. So, you know, there's a point of like anaerobic threshold. So uh, anaerobic, anaerobic being with oxygen and without oxygen technically. And these people who have super high VO2 maxes are the people who can stay in these zones for a very long time. And when I say very long time, I'm saying maybe I could stay in this zone that's really uncomfortable, but somewhat sustainable, maybe a few minutes 
we're talking Tour de France athletes, they could possibly be there almost an hour. So I like to, when I'm cycling or running, I like to be in this place that's pretty uncomfortable. That's the best way. So um, I would say it's like your 5K pace. It's not your 10K and it's not your mile. It's your 5K. And I want you to be, I want you to be pretty uncomfortable, but enough where you can sustain it. So I think that kind of training is, is good too. That's, you know, interval training is going to be short interval training. This is more, you know, longer training. So a little bit uncomfortable. So 5k pace is the best way I could kind of describe that. That's a great way to put it. It's like the, you know, the, the mile or the, the 400 meters, those are the ones where you're, you're just absolutely dying. Everything's on fire. We're not quite there. It's like the hand over the candle thing, right? Where it's like, it's starting to burn. And yeah, yeah. But it's not your hundred meter pace when it's literally as fast as you can go. So that's, I actually think that's really effective is, um, you know, increasing the amount of time you're in that real uncomfortable zone. We've talked about, um, cardio modes to improve VO2 max, anything to think about in terms of resistance training or strength training to help improve it? You know, I always tell people, I, you can get cardio benefits from weightlifting. I actually have a shirt that says lift weights faster. Um, so you can do stuff like metabolic conditioning or power. Mo- I mean, your heart rate's high, you're, you know, uptaking oxygen. So I think for that, I would suggest metabolic conditioning in the sense um, that's where you might go, you know, CrossFit's kind of famous for this. Um, So you might go from power cleans to box jumps to sit-ups. So you're doing hard, you know, weightlifting, some's heavier, some's not, but your heart rate's really high. You're keeping moving, but again, you're sustaining it. And that's why a lot of times, like the workout I did this morning was 13 minutes and it is uncomfortable for 13 minutes. I couldn't do 20, but I can last longer than five. So that's the same idea where you would just be putting, um, you know, and exercises that are going to get your heart rate that kind of high are going to be big body moves. So, you know, thrusters and squat presses where you're using a lot of muscle mass. So I love that. You know, I like that kind of traditional training, um, even sometimes more than going and running a 5K. So, but I love to lift weights. So everybody should be lifting weights you know that's important yes um how often should a person be doing this type of training so like let's say they're like you know eight weeks from now i want to try to i'm going to retest my vo2 max how often per week would you say someone should be doing this kind of training you know it kind of depends on what your overall goal is right like the you know a principle of weight training or training in general specificity so like if you want to be a runner, then you probably should be running more than weightlifting if you want to weightlift. So, um, so goals definitely matter. And, and what are you trying to do? Are you trying to accomplish so you can do, you know, a long run? The thing with especially the um, high interval training and the uh, anaerobic threshold training, which is what I call it, it is pretty taxing on the body. So, you know, I think two, three max of real hard workouts is probably good, depending again, there's just so much on your goals and your recovery and what are you doing the other times. Um, You know, you can also swim a lot more than you can run because swim doesn't have the impact. Um, So, you know, I think two times, I would say kind of for the average recreational athlete, two to three times maybe, but again, just watch your overtraining, make sure you're recovering, um, you know, and that you are feeling strong in those workouts. I think that's uh, I, I think that's really great advice, folks. And um, giving yourself the like the forty eight to seventy two hours in between them, so that you can recover and your body can take that adaptation and then come back and do it again. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna move to rapid fire. We're gonna okay. move to rapid fire here. This was really good stuff. Um, 
So these are fun questions. Sarah, don't overthink it. I'm just going to pepper some things at you. Oh, you know, just, you just... know I'm going to overthink it. <laughs> There's no right or wrong. <laughs> There's no grade. Um, what's one thing you do every single day that elevates you? Um, I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking lift weights, but actually it's probably just exercise in general because I don't lift weights every single day. And then the other thing is read. I will read mag I probably the only one in the country who still gets a actual newspaper, like actual newspaper. Um, but I read books, magazines, newspaper articles. Um, I read every day. I love that. And so that takes me to my next question. What are you reading right now? So my book club that I've been in for 10 years, actually over 10 years, um, we usually do uh, fiction unless I pick. I want I do nonfiction. So we're reading a book from uh, 1800s called Capture the Castle. And it's actually really good. My nonfiction um, book right now is Ride of a Lifetime. Um, it's from Disney's CEO. And it was highly recommended from a lot of people. It's about leadership and just about the Disney culture. So that is my nonfiction choice as of right now. That's cool. I like that. Um, best purchase in the last month for less than $100. Hmm. Okay, it was a gift, but it still counts. Actually, it's right here. This is a coffee mug warmer. So when you bring your coffee into your office, I like my coffee as hot as possible. You sit it on this and it keeps your coffee warm without it having to be like in a thermos. This is life-changing in my mind because I'm getting up, microwaving my coffee. I want it as hot as possible. And I have my own hot coaster right here. It was, my husband gave it to me as a gift and it's hands down. I think it was 20 bucks. One of the best gifts I've ever received. That seems super convenient. You're right. It is so hard to get that perfect balance of the temperature. Yeah. Or it just doesn't say hot enough. So this, this definitely wins. Um, I, I love a good snack. Um, I'm, I've always got a, a snack somewhere nearby. I'm just never going to get caught without food. Um, do you have a favorite snack, a go-to okay. snack? I mean, I love all the snacks because I love food too. I, I can't pick just one, but I love any type of nut butter. So whatever you want to serve with the nut butter, the nut butter is the main course. So we could do apples, we could do graham crackers, we can do whatever you can dip in nut butter. So just give me all the nut butters. So I'm cashew, almond, peanut. It's a good thing. I don't have a nut allergy, luckily, but I probably have four to five nut butters in my pantry right now. I'm so with you. I've never, I've never met a nut butter I don't like. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's just on the spoon, to be honest. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, we're laughing now, but when was the last time you laughed really, really hard? Um, oh, okay. Um, I have a six-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son, and um, they like to do dance parties. Um, and so they did a dance party performance with glow sticks. Um, this was not prepped at all. Like there's zero planning. And it was just, I mean, I was laughing. I think this was last Sunday night. They turn off the lights, they turn on the music, and they do this glow stick party borderline like a rave for elementary school kids and it has no planning so there's like tripping and there's it was just so uninhibited and joyful and they're not self-conscious about it and I was just laughing so hard because it's just it was just pure joy and silliness and it was just it was so funny it was I literally told them it was the best part of my day that day so yeah, it was, yeah, they're just at such fun ages right now. So that's, that was definitely came to my mind. I don't recommend this to anyone to only do one exercise for the rest of your life. I think you should mix it up, but if you had to just do one exercise for the rest of your life, what are you doing? Power clean. Nice. So you don't have to think about that one. You're such a, 
Badass. Take it from the floor to your shoulders. So I love a, I love a good power clean. Favorite movie, favorite movie. Do you have a favorite movie that, you know, maybe you've had a hard day or you just want to whatever. Is there anything that you go to and you're like, the world's better when I watch this? This is hard. I have a couple genres. I'm going to give them to you all. Muppet movies, like the old school Jim Henson Muppet movies all day, every day. Just started introducing my children to them. Anything with Will Ferrell in it, anything. And then um, do you know the Christopher Guest movies? He does mockumentaries like Best in Show and um, Spinal Tap. Best in Show is one of my all-time. I watched it almost every day of my sophomore year in college. <laughs> those are, those are it's excellent. It's a dog show, and it's yeah. literally the most accurate thing you've ever seen. It's amazing. It's a fabulous movie. It's an absolute yes. fabulous movie. You can movie. see comedies are my genre there. Um, last one here. Somebody wants to improve their overall health. Like, What's the one low-hanging piece of fruit that you would recommend to them? They said, I, I, I want to make a change. I want to get things in gear. What's like the one thing you would say, do this and that will get you on the right track. Add more vegetables to your diet. Amen. Make a commitment, like two meals a day, not three, three is overwhelming. Okay. Yeah. I'm not talking five to 11 servings to start off, but I have never looked at, I've been doing this for 20 years and I do nutrition coaching. And I would say 80% of the time, that's my suggestion. It is the biggest bang for your buck, nutrient dense, uh, you know, there's thousands out there. So when people tell me they don't like this kind, I said, well, there's about 7,000 other vegetables you can figure out. Um, you can find inexpensive vegetables. They're easy to cook. Um, you can make them however you want, um, but you can't, and you can't ever overeat vegetables. So vegetables. Amen. I'm with you. No, it's uh, you try to overeat vegetables. You can't do it. Your body will shut it down. Yeah, <laughs> it'll shut it down. As I mentioned, I work for Elevation Health, and we've been in business for 27 years, creating customizable solutions for your fitness and wellness needs. That's right, folks, 27 years. And in our 27 years, we've seen it all. So whatever your needs might be, we got you covered. From fitness management and online training to on-site classes and integrated technology, we help small and large groups alike get healthy and stay engaged. I encourage you to learn more about us at contactelevation.com and to follow us on social media at elevation.health.